Worldwide, more than 90,000 cruise crew members are stuck at sea because of the pandemic. Some of those crew members were on board this ship, the Grand Princess. Sky 7 shows that leaving today, In early 2020, around 3,500 people were stuck on the Grand Princess cruise ship off the coast of California after a coronavirus outbreak has spread throughout the ship. Let's get the latest now on those 3,500 people stuck on that cruise ship off the coast of California. After sailing in circles for days, they will finally be coming ashore. 19 crew members have tested positive and three people died from the virus, including two passengers. The ship is heading to an undisclosed location at sea. The ship circled the coast for days until finally, in March, they got permission to dock. The location was West Oakland, California. After four days of uncertainty, just a few hours ago, passengers aboard that ship finally notified that they will be offloaded just across the bay from me in Oakland on Monday. But we do not know how long or exactly where and which fit federal facilities the passengers will be held in isolation. Still, the folks we're talking to are saying they're enormously relieved to finally get off that ship. In the weeks following the docking of the Grand Princess cruise ship, Hospitals in Oakland became flooded with COVID-19 patients. And the demographic that was impacted the most in Oakland was the black community and the houseless. I'm Abbas Muntakim. And I'm Delincey Parham. And this is Tales of the Town. A podcast about black Oakland. Prior to the docking of the Grand Princess, Oakland's Mayor Libby Schaaf promised the city that passengers from the ship would not be quarantined in Oakland and released to the community after the residents voiced their concerns. The plan was for all California residents to be sent to Travis Air Force Base in Solano County, and the rest of the American passengers will go to bases in Texas and Georgia. International passengers will be sent back home. Even former Vice President Mike Pence doubled down on the safety protocols when he said that all passengers of the ship would be tested before they got off. And they weren't. Initially, only 46 of the 3,571 passengers were tested, and at least 21 of them tested positive for COVID-19. Despite earlier statements by the mayor that passengers wouldn't be quarantined in Oakland, some of the ship's passengers were in fact sent to Kaiser Hospital in Oakland where the first known Oakland case of COVID-19 was found. As COVID-19 spread throughout Oakland's Kaiser Hospital, rooms quickly filled and medical personnel could not keep up. They didn't even have PPE. And this led to nurses and other medical staff at Kaiser to protest due to the deadly negligence of government officials. With hospitals packed with COVID-19 patients and the virus spreading throughout the city, the impact was devastating. And this was because Oakland's mayor's office didn't respond well to COVID-19 and allowed for the cruise ship to be docked in Oakland rather than San Francisco, where it was supposed to go. This highly impacted Oakland's black community, since after the cruise docking, COVID-19 spread throughout Oakland. Between March of 2020 
in December 2021, Oakland had 38,808 cases of COVID-19 and 435 deaths related to COVID-19. And since January 2021, Black people have made up 34% of the city's total COVID-19 deaths and only make up 22% of the city's total population. Between 2020 and now, Black people were put at a higher risk of catching COVID-19 in Oakland and have had the highest death rate in Alameda County, over double in comparison to whites. Yimmy Belichu, one of our Central Committee members of People's Programs, explains how this impacted the work of our organization. For us, when the pandemic really was an impact, like in March, we were talking and organizing with PBO of like, what are the needs of the community? What are they going to need? What we discovered as we were talking to folks on the street is that shelters were closing. So folks' regular access to food was going to be a lot more limited. And so what we did as PBO was that we were like, okay, so therefore we need to serve food three times a week. Previous to that, we were doing programs once a month. We shifted to three times a week, and we did that for six months. Yemi helps manage our operations as we provide resources to houses folks in Oakland every week. People's Programs, formerly known as People's Breakfast Oakland, which we talked about in an earlier episode, started in 2017 with the goal of providing food, hygiene packs, tents, and other supplies to Oakland's Black Houses community, which has been severely impacted by gentrification. And while we initially started feeding folks once a month, we had to increase our time in the field once the pandemic hit to three times a week to combat the closing and limited hours of shelters in West Oakland. We were giving out 250 meals three times a week on the days where the shelters were not providing meals to make sure that folks were eating. I mean, folks were telling us that they were starving, that they didn't have access to food for long periods of time, that they didn't have access to shelter for long periods of time. And so with the resources that we had at the time, you know, what was important to us was trying to fill in that gap so that they could, at the very least, get food once, once a day. But along with not having enough food to eat, we noticed that folks in the houseless community also didn't have access to COVID-19 testing. The data around COVID-19 shows that the county was testing the houseless, but that wasn't necessarily the case. So let me put you on this. Put me on some. Put me on some. Now this section can get a little tricky. Let's look at how the county defines houseless because the definition is a lot more nuanced than people would like to admit. Take me for example. In 2015, fresh out of college, I couch surfed for about six months. Didn't pay a bill anywhere. Was getting mail sent to different family members' houses. By Alameda County standards, I was houseless. But what I did have was a working cell phone. And working as a freelance journalist allowed me to have enough money for public transportation. Now these resources I had are not the norm for the houseless folks we serve at people's programs. And these were the folks who weren't getting access to COVID-19 testing. These were the people we wanted to show up for. Yeah, bruh. I don't think people think deeply enough about the abilities or resources that are needed to access other resources. How are elderly houseless people that are sleeping in tents supposed to get to these testing sites? How are houseless folks in wheelchairs supposed to get to testing centers all the way across town? This thinking is what let us know that we had to meet the material needs of our people.
before we move on, here's a reminder to check out the Tales of the Town album. All proceeds from the music go towards supporting people's programs. Here's a snippet of To the Streets and Clipped Wings by Shooter Gang Coney, Want More in Eight, and Jalil Muntakeen. Yeah, you can't stop the beef. All these rats on me, please. Beat me in my dreams. Toss on my ass, I just gotta let him be. My brody was a legend, why they leave him in the streets when it's beef? Who the ones that's finna eat? Yeah, gotta keep myself in these streets. Make it home in these streets. Find peace when it's beef, like I'm on the leash, head at home. Brody, please never talk on these telephones. Best believe when it's shots, we could get it on. They'll try me, but I'ma be the one they telling on. Man, I miss my blood, brother, I was never alone. Gotta read niggas like Rosetta Stone. Yeah, hard to watch your back when they're betting on. Yeah, tell you that they love you, say you fending on. They want my vision gone. That's why I keep it on who really want. And I'm a G, so we really funk, you really want. And when I sit down at night and hear the TV on, I get flashbacks of thugging with the beanie on. I'm in a system that'll never break. Cause if it make money, shit, we can't. Is you lost or awake through my soul in a safe? I wish I'd take a break, but the streets ain't safe unless I keep it on my waist. What you know about that interstate? Peace by your side. Now let's get back to the story. By December 31st, 2020, nearly 40,000 Oakland residents reported having COVID-19. Of those cases, 434 people died, with the death rate being higher for black and brown people. And for houseless people, this had devastating impacts. Yemi talked about some of these circumstances, like the houseless being exposed to the virus. So if they do have a positive result or if they're being ex- like exposed, there's no method for folks to quarantine besides in a tent or on the street. So I think it's kind of already the limitation of like if they do have it, if they do get COVID-19, there's no method for them to to take care of themselves. And on top of that, the city is only providing, you know, and only had provided 125, I think at the time that was like in July or August, like 125 beds total. We can't stress enough just how little effort the city of Oakland put into providing the necessary health services for its houseless community. And in 2020, at the beginning of the pandemic and lockdown, it seemed as if city officials had no real interest in protecting Oakland's houseless community from COVID-19. They made the claim that they would hand out small hand sanitizers and pamphlets with CDC guidelines to folks in encampments. But their most notable effort that happened after community advocacy was making a small amount of hotel rooms open for the houseless. And even then, there were issues with accessibility to these rooms. For example, they gave priority for these rooms to seniors, which is a good thing. But there were a limited quantity of rooms, and there was also a bureaucratic process which benefited folks that had cell phones, access to public transportation, and the internet. And for the camps that we serve, we noticed them only getting bigger bigger. And there was one thing the people on the streets had in common. 75 to 80 percent of the folks living on the street are black. So that impact is directly to black and house folks in Oakland. According to the city of Oakland, around 70 percent of the houseless community is black. And our organization, People's Programs, primarily works with black folks on the street. As we mentioned earlier in our Let Me Put You On Some, we saw them not only get denied beds and not able to shelter in place during the beginning of the pandemic, we also saw them not get access to proper COVID-19 testing. So we decided to take this matter into our own hands. 
-hmm. We were having conversations with folks around testing and whether or not they had access to testing. And a lot of people were saying no or that they didn't know where to get testing or, you know, just did not, you know, understand. And I think partly was that some folks didn't even know that the pandemic was happening. So that was something that was interesting in us who really, like, are not doctors in any form, we're starting to have that, those conversations with folks on the street and saying like, well, there's this pandemic happening. You got to use hand sanitizer. You got to cover your mouth. You got to do these things. You can't go into stores without this. And we were hearing a lot of folks saying like, we're not able to access things the way we used to and access testing or didn't know where to get it. So we started exploring our options to bring testing to the houseless. But like Yemi said, we is not doctors, so we needed a partner. And we were able to link up with Dr. Nana, who co-founded Shared Harvest and MyCovidMD, which is an organization that helps community members get access to testing, vaccines, digital health, and other services. And in the summer of 2020, she helped us administer COVID testing to the community. In Oakland specifically, during the time when we met up with you guys, those numbers in Oakland was ridiculous. There weren't testing available in a large part of Oakland. Um, and at, at the same time, the testing that was available was kind of centered in areas that weren't where you can have access. If you didn't have a car, you know, or you had some sick family members or you were, you know, frontline workers who don't even have the time offs, they were still working, you know. And most importantly, we were looking at a lot of shelterless families and individuals and families that just didn't have access. And I heard about People's Breakfast and how you guys have been committed to addressing the need of shelterless community in Oakland. And I just thought, wow, um, this is this is total alignment. And we wanted to get people access to testing so they know what to do, what to do with that information. And also getting access to the right kind of testing, right? Because there's testing that, you know, the Department of Health or other government agencies will get data and run away with. And then there's testing that's informing you to know what to do for yourself and your family. And that's the kind of testing we wanted to be able to disseminate. So with the help of Dr. Nana and my COVID MD, we were able to set up a testing site to test houseless folks in camps in West Oakland. And a lot of houseless people were skeptical of getting tested because of the lack of information shared on COVID-19. So we tried our best to make the process as comfortable as possible. Here's Dr. Nana again. There was one woman I laughed because uh, I think we were there for about three, four hours. And she started with us. She's like, I'm not getting tested. I'm not getting tested. I don't need I don't have the COVID. And she came and got some food, came back and started talking to us about something else. And by the end of the time, she got tested. <laughs> and it was just nice because we were just present and we were there and we were there on her time. And when she got comfortable, she actually got tested. And we didn't want to limit our efforts to just the houseless. So we opened up our testing to the rest of the community. We put the word out on Instagram and Twitter that we had two days of free testing available. One in East Oakland and then one downtown. News of the free testing spread quickly. And then... That day, there was 600 plus people who showed up to get tests. And the cars in the line was like around the block. At that time, there was really limited access to testing in Oakland. That's Yimmy again. Knowing that accessibility to testing sites will be an issue, we partnered with Lyft to offer free rides to those in the town who wanted to get a test. 
and being on the ground there, it's just like people are getting angry because they're not getting tested because they're afraid and they want to get tested and they haven't been able to get access to test. And like I talked to a couple of people who drove all the way from Stockton, who drove from Sacramento to get access to the testing. And that just really like, you know, spoke volumes to me that like this is something that one, the government been should have done this, like been offered like large scale testing opportunity and there are people who want it. So without the support of government officials, our Oakland's Mayor Libby Schaaf, People's Programs, Shared Harvest, and my COVID MD show what can happen when the people come together. We put our organization's motto of we are our own liberators into practice. Dr. Nana recounts one of the days we did testing. Because we were able to do the high-impact dual antibody testing, um, we tested about 100 people that day, and we were able to give them the results within 20 minutes. And in addition to the end results, we're actually able to talk to them about what that results mean right there on the spot. And I love that because a lot of times people will go away or get an email or a text about the results and they have so many questions afterwards. And then we find that difficult to do. And, you know, during that process, people got food. They got to chat and talk through some stuff. So that summer of 2020, we were able to administer about 600 tests. But that's the power of the people. While government officials largely ignored the houseless community and Black folks in Oakland at the height of the pandemic, we stepped up as an organization to serve our community. We fed our community multiple times a week when resources were shut down, while also providing thousands of masks and other vital health protection measures. And that's why organizing and mobilizing is so important. We saw that the Grand Princess being docked in Oakland caused COVID rates to spike, and our mayor, failed to address this properly. So we took matters into our own hands in efforts to show the community was possible when we unified. On the next episode of Tales of the Town, the story of the Ohlone people in Oakland. Our ancestors, you know, 200 years ago, you could drink the fresh water out of every single creek and stream in the Bay Area. Imagine that, and you could eat out of the Bay as much as you wanted. A long um, time ago, not well, not that long ago, because everything you see in California and the Bay Area is less than 200 years old. Tales of the Town is hosted and executive produced by me, Delincey Parham, and Abbas Mutakin. Our senior producer is Maya Cueva. Fact-checking done by Danya Suleiman, and Bashir Mack. Mixing and sound design is done by Padma C.D. Miller, Lauren Newsom, and Jaron Tindall. The theme song was produced by Cheyenne G. and Carrie Lynn. The artists featured on this episode from the Tales of the Town album are Shooter Gang Coney, Want More in Eight, and Jaleel Muntakeen. Special thanks to Yemi and Dr. Nana for the interviews on this episode. If you want to learn more about people's programs and how to support our work, including our free mobile health clinic in the town, visit peoplesprograms.com. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe and give us that five-star review and tell your friends. On the next episode, on the next and last episode, Tales of the Town.